Brittany says uh, you'll see something fl- walking through the parking lot out there, a furry fellow with antlers, and I get a text message from uh, somebody in our small group that said, I shot him. Was I not supposed to do that? <laughs> so... That's good. That's good. I, I needed that. I, I appreciate a good uh, little funny text message. Sometimes I get them while I'm preaching. Uh, I don't read them. <laughs> I try not to. Anyways, but uh, hey, <laughs> I just want to give a warm welcome. If this is your first time here, maybe it's been a long time. My name's Josh. Uh, my wife, Brittany, and I, like she said, are the lead pastors here. And we're just so grateful that you're worshiping with us today. Uh, we love what God is doing here at Greenville First and even in our city with so many great churches here. Um, but we just believe that the best is yet to come. And, uh, and we're excited for what God is doing. And uh, we celebrate Christmas in a big way around here. Um, this year, our theme is Christmas according to kids, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in just a few moments, but we've got stuff for the entire family going on the next few weeks, and uh, whether you found joy in grabbing a Christmas tree cake this morning, uh, or if you're like, I don't like those, well, we are very grateful for little Debbie around these parts, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Pastor Will's not in here, so I can quote, oh, he is, ah, he's in the back. I see him, but uh, we had a staff conversation as we were talking about Christmas tree cakes, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are two different sizes of Christmas tree cakes these days. It was a much simpler time when I was growing up, and you just had, now they, they, they have like chocolate Christmas tree cakes and brownies and no, 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 just the classic vanilla with little green and red sprinkles, but the question was posed are we looking for little Debbies or are we looking for big Debras? <laughs> so I won't, I won't quote Pastor Will and tell you who said it, but uh, <laughs> anyways, we got a lot going on. There are going to be treats for you each and every week. And so uh, we know that's not why you come to church, but it's just in case you came grumpy, we just want to put a smile on your face. And so uh, who gets angry at Christmas tree cakes? If you do, uh, we're going to have a, 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 a class immediately following uh, to how to bring joy back to your life. And I don't know if you saw the little star cutouts there in both buildings. And if you look closely, there are little words written on the stars because we've got a star search, uh, for our, our kids around here. And so, and, and kids church today, they're, they're getting little forms and there's 10 little lines and they can fill out the, the names on, on there, the 10 names, turn it in. They'll get a special prize because it's Christmas and we just, it's just fun to give stuff away. And there's this little thing called sisterhood. Uh, sisterhood is coming up on. I, I, I did that wrong. I did it better first service. But there's this wonderful thing called sisterhood on Thursday night. And it's at 6.30 and right, 6.35. Five o'clock, the doors open, and there's like shopping stuff, and it's wonderful. There's a marketplace, and uh, it is it is really, ladies. Let me just tell you, it is a fun time for you to gather, uh, and it is always. Uh, I, I don't get to participate, but I get to observe uh, a little bit. Bless you. Uh, it's it's good. Everybody was thinking it. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want you to go through this. It's good. I'm just rambling up here. And then here, here's what I'll tell you. Uh, all of this leads up to our Christmas Eve candlelight service on, uh, 
December 24th, which happens to be Christmas Eve, if you didn't uh, know that. And that is at 4 p.m., one-hour service. We try to keep it uh, actually a little shorter than an hour, uh, just so you can be with your family uh, that day. I know that is like the worst when you're sneezing. I, I always sneeze in threes. Uh, and so it's, and I'm a loud sneezer. Like, I scare people. Uh, and so anyways... Um, but that's happening December 24th, 4 p.m. You want to be here, uh, make plans to join us. Now, this year, we're, we're kicking off this series, Christmas According to Kids. And here's kind of where this came from. Uh, it, it really comes down to uh, the, the simple idea that kids still have a pure perspective about Christmas. They haven't been tainted by all the busyness. They don't understand how, how stressful our calendars become at Christmas time. They just see the, the wonder of it all. They see the excitement of it all. And I think sometimes we have gotten so deep into the routine and the rhythm of Christmas that we forget while we're even celebrating in the first place. So we're going to take the next few weeks and we're going to dive into what we believe uh, to be just a few things that are incredible and, and from a kids perspective when they look at this season because I know this that it's easy for us as we grow life happens routines start to take place that we can lose some of the wonder of this season so this Sunday we're kicking off with the the first emotion or behavior whatever you want to consider it um, and it's anticipation and before I start talking about anticipation, I just figured we would ask some of our kids what they thought about anticipation, and I want you to take a quick look. Anticipation means uh, paying attention in class. So it is like being patient. Oh, like don't. Oh, you know, like like you're um expecting something. Get a phone for Christmas. I have a board. Coco Melon. That house that I play out outside. Yeah. The Barbie house. Yeah. 
A computer. And a computer as well. Mm -hmm. American Girl House stuff. Pizza cats. Pizza cats. Wearing Christmas sweaters, having fun. Oh. Spending time with my family. Um, I like the holiday. Shopping with my mom. Eating with my family. Spending time with my family and opening presents. To go see my grandma and my grandpa. For my grandpa to come to my house and for me to have steak. Go to see my whole family. It's a house that you can play outside. Whoop, whoop. A Hot Wheels dinosaur set. You know that one that poops out cars? That one. If you didn't realize, the last one belongs to me. And uh, between my oldest looking for steak and my youngest pooping out Hot Wheels, I really... Now you understand why we have a lot of fun at Christmas. And if you don't come back to hear the messages the next couple of weeks, at least come back to see the videos because I haven't seen the rest of what has been recorded, but I have a feeling it's pretty good. Uh, oh man, I don't even know. Um, here's what I realize: When I watch that video, when we say the word anticipation, our kids have no idea what it means. Between thinking it means paying attention to I just just lost for words, um, but they sure know how to exhibit it in their life. Because I don't know if you're a parent, grandparent, hope to be a parent, been around kids, seen some kids, know some kids, live in a neighborhood where there are kids. There is something in the child's life when it comes close to Christmas that the anticipation just begins to get into motion. I mean, let's be real. Some of you have had your houses decorated since, uh, I don't know, October 30th. Uh, <laughs> And that's okay. There's a no judgment zone here. Uh, but I will tell you, uh, our children are a little opposite in their feelings. Uh, Cohen, it was right before Thanksgiving and, and, and all of the Christmas lights were still in, starting to go up on the streets. And he, he looks at his mom and says, mom, they forgot about Thanksgiving. And others, Jensen, he'd leave the lights up year round. I mean, this kid, he lives for Christmas, as you can see in Hot Wheels sets. If you're, uh, I don't know, I, we, we own that set. And I never realized that he thought that that's what was happening. It is definitely not what's happening on that track. <laughs> but here's what I know. There is something about the anticipation of a child that I believe when we begin to look at what this anticipation brings and what it means it really can challenge us in how we approach Christmas and how we approach our life. There's something about on the other end of anticipation of why it's important is that there's a surprise on the other end. When we normally think about things that we anticipate, why are we anticipating them? Because there's something special on the, the other side. Why do, why do kids love opening presents? There is something about, I mean, I don't know whose idea this was, like to buy a gift and to wrap it up with, with, with like fancy wrapping paper and bows and all this, just for it to be ripped off and discarded. I mean, it, it was probably somebody at a marketing company that said, how can we make just a little more money on people? Oh, we'll give them a great idea, wrap presents. And it, but if you think about it, it actually enhances the anticipation. Why? Because you have no idea what is lying under that wrapping paper. 
But if you are anything like my youngest, who shakes every single box that's wrapped with paper, Brittany was getting these presents ready this weekend, and she's wrapping paper, and he's still, he's watching his mom wrap empty boxes and still comes right behind her, grabs every gift, and is shaking it. Because there's anticipation that maybe there's just a surprise on the inside. See, life begins to hit us. We begin to get a little older. We get in our routines. We get in our rhythms. We get swamped with our calendars. We experience grief, sorrow, sadness. All of these things start to creep on, and we forget that there is something and someone to anticipate during this season. We can get so lost and so distracted and so far from what it's all about. We know what's coming. I don't have to quiz you to ask you, what do we celebrate on December 25th? Hopefully. (laughs) You understand that this is a marked day. No, it's not the day that Jesus was physically born that we can prove. Unless you were there, and if you were, talk to me about it. (laughs) And then we'll get you some treatment because you're a little delusional. But here's what it is. It is just a day that is marked for us to celebrate. There are people that believe all different, well, we should celebrate it here. Well, just collectively, we've kind of established this day to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We know what's coming, yet we still allow all of life to distract us from living a life full of anticipation for what I believe to be one of the two greatest days that we can celebrate all year. The birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection wouldn't have been possible unless he was born. And so we look at this and why was he born? To be the ultimate sacrifice for us so that he could be resurrected, so that he could take his rightful place in eternity where you and I have an opportunity to be and spend all of our eternity with him. So the bottom line this Christmas is we want you to remember why we anticipate and who we are anticipating. So we're gonna turn in scripture today to Luke chapter two, verses 25 through 32. And this is an interesting passage because I feel like this is actually, uh, Luke 2 is the account that we always read growing up is the Christmas story. Yet we always, I feel like, stop our Christmas story right before we get into these few verses. Because when we look at the nativity, we begin to, to paint this picture that is, that is really not accurate, but, but I, 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 won't, I won't go there today and, and crush all your dreams uh, and, and everything, but... You see Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and then the shepherds and the animals and then, and then you've got all the, the, the wise men or the magi who are there and it just makes this beautiful image that really is just reflecting the worship and the honor and the celebration of the birth of Jesus. But oftentimes we stop there. But there's a very important moment that takes place following in Luke chapter two and we're gonna pick up in verse 25 through 32. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. And it says this, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, 
I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now, and we thank you that we get an opportunity to celebrate and worship you this season. God, I pray right now that our hearts would be stirred, that if we're in a routine, if we're in a rut, if we're in a rhythm that has is, is lost the wonder, lost the anticipation of, of looking towards what you are calling us and speaking to us, God, would today be a moment of alignment. God, we, we never let this life rob us from seeing you as we are intended to see. Challenge our hearts today. In your name we pray, amen. See, I feel like we, we struggle oftentimes with losing this anticipation. And the reality is, it's not that we just lose anticipation. We actually exchange anticipation for a few things. We can find ourselves exchanging anticipation for anxiety. We can find ourselves exchanging anticipation for dread looking towards this holiday season of stress, of pressure, of dealing with family, whatever that emotion brings to you. We've exchanged because there is something, when you think about this idea of anticipation, actually studies prove that the, the whole emotion of anticipation leans towards a positive emotion. That the brain is actually wired that when we anticipate something, we are looking for a positive outcome, a positive movement. It's not a negative. So the negative begins to be the dread, the anxiety. We really, I, I don't know that you can anticipate in a negative way. Now, there are some asterisks and there are some exceptions. So if you're really, really intelligent in this place and you're like, he's not speaking the truth, there are some, some exceptions to this. Let me just speak to you. But for the majority, scientific studies would say that our brain is wired for us to see positive outcomes when we begin to anticipate. So here we have Simeon that scripture des describes him as eagerly awaiting the arrival of the Messiah. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that there is a better uh, description of what anticipation is than eagerly awaiting the arrival of Jesus and what we find here in scripture. So who is this guy, Simeon? What does he have to do with the Christmas story? What does he have to do with anticipation? Well, I just told you he was eagerly awaiting the Messiah. But let me give you just a few things that we do know about Simeon. Number one, we know that Simeon was older. So for all of you that older is a very relative term, but if you're older in the room, you can connect with Simeon. And you say, well, pastor, it doesn't say that he, he's, he's really older. Well, here, here's where we would gather, scholars would gather, is his response to God because he says, sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. Why? Because he's seen Jesus. His life has been fulfilled. The promise that was on his life has been fulfilled. I'm good. Now, I don't think that Simeon was a young fellow that's like, God, I've seen your Messiah. Take me home. I'm good. It, it really sounds, it lends to this tone that Simeon was up in age. He was righteous and devout. See, one writer stated that while the shepherds in the Christmas story represent the average human, Simeon represents the wise elder that has walked with God for a long time. See, I think some, sometimes I'm going to speak to the elders in the room. 
I think sometimes you've lived so much life that you've lost out on the anticipation and let Simeon be a challenge, not just to you, but to all of us in the room that we would not lose out on the wonder and the anticipation and the eagerly awaiting what Christ has for us and eternity with Jesus, because that's not something to dread. That's something to be excited and anticipate. Why do I love this story of Simeon? Because it shows a faithful servant who is devout and committed to God, who says, I'm not giving up until what God has promised me comes to pass. We don't know what Simeon did for a living because all scripture tells us is that the Holy Spirit spoke to him and the Holy Spirit led him to be exactly the place that he was supposed to be to see the promise fulfilled in his life. See, I think sometimes it's the rhythm, it's the routine, it's the rut that we stop hearing the voice of God and what he's calling us to do and where he's leading and guiding us. And so we just think he stopped speaking. We can even fall into the trap of of believing that he's not working or maybe he's changed his mind. God doesn't change his mind. The promises that he's given us yesterday, today, and for tomorrow are still true. Simeon's eagerly waiting. Now, here's an interesting thing that we see about Mary and Joseph here is we also get a little insight into their life because they weren't just going to the temple for church. They were actually going, it says, so Mary and Joseph came to present the baby to the Lord as the law required. So this also communicates something about Jesus's family, that he, Jesus was born into a family that was devout and committed. And so we find that they are actually going to the temple, and I'm just going to give you a little, little Bible nerd here, uh, that there would have been three things that they were doing that day. Number one would have been a cleansing of Mary for having baby Jesus. Number two would have been the presentation of Jesus to the Lord. And number three would have been the dedication of the baby in the temple. So all of this is going on in just these few verses. But here is Simeon living with anticipation, eagerly waiting. So what can we learn from Simeon's life in these few verses here? What can we see about anticipation that can challenge us not to just get in the rut, not to get in the ritual, not to lose sight of what I believe God really wants to do in and through us and the promises for tomorrow and eternity spent with him. And the first is this, is that anticipation lives with the perspective that the best is yet to come and it's coming soon. Anticipation lives with the perspective the best is yet to come and it's coming soon. Now, I need to clarify a few words here. The first one is soon. Soon is a very relative term. And if you need any further proof, if you're married in the room, think about your definition of soon and your spouse's definition of soon. Because for me, if I call Brittany and say, hey, I'll be there soon. It is a completely different timeline than if she calls me and says, I'll be home soon. Some of you may have not been married long enough. (laughs) We're going on 13 wonderful years, but I have figured out quickly that our timeline definitions are completely different. Think about it in the eyes of our children. Pretty soon, my kids are going to graduate high school and they're going to go off to college. But I have a second grader and and our youngest is in K-4. Soon to me is a matter of 10 years, I'm going to have a high school graduate. 
In Cohen's life, 10 years is longer than he's lived on this earth. Soon is a relative term. So you can imagine, we don't know when Simeon received this prophecy. All we know is that scripture says he was eagerly waiting the arrival of the Messiah, which tells me he didn't get caught up with how long soon was. He just knew God's promise was going to come to pass. There's something about living with this anticipation that the best is yet to come. Simeon could have had a bunch of awful days between the day he got the prophecy and the day he saw it come fulfilled. I'm sure he did. Because let me clarify another word. The word best is yet to come. Best does not always mean easiest. Because the easy route would have been for God to wake Simeon up on that morning and say, hey, you're going to meet the Messiah. I want you to go to the temple and you're going to meet the Messiah. And then you can breathe your last breath if you want to. That would have been easy because we didn't have to wait. We didn't have to go through trials. We didn't have to go through difficulties. But that's not what life looks like. The best is yet to come does not mean the easy is to come. It just means that we're promised eternity with Jesus when we say yes to Jesus. So it doesn't matter what this life offers. It doesn't matter how hard or difficult or dark it may get. There is a hope for a better tomorrow when we say yes to Jesus. That for me is enough for me to live with anticipation. See, when I think about this idea of anticipation, I think about the spark that it provides in a child's life. The moment the music starts to change to Christmas tunes, the moment the lights start coming up. In our house, it's when all of the, the tubs start coming out of the basement. Jensen, he, I feel like he's running up and down. He's opening boxes because the anticipation is just taking over his life because it has given him this spark. For many of us, we had the same childhood growing up and we would get excited because we knew the, the routine. We knew that the moment the boxes started coming, it meant that I'm going to get to see grandma or grandpa or all my cousins and we're going to have Christmas parties and we're going to have late nights and watching Christmas movies and we're going to get to eat all the sugar in the world we want. I mean, that's the anticipation. Those are the, the, the memories that if we really think about it, there's something special in the eyes of a child because this anticipation gives them a spark. I saw on Facebook the other day, one of our, one of our church folks posted a picture of an individual just laying in the classroom floor. <laughs> and it talked about how teachers, every, every day in December, that teachers are just exhausted. Why? Because I believe that every classroom in America is filled with kids that are just driven by anticipation. And teachers are like, can we cut a few of the sparks out? Because it gives a spark to life. How much more so can the anticipation of what Jesus wants to do in and through our life become a spark for us to live differently? For us to change the perspective of how we look at this life. Simeon knew he was going to see Jesus and that was a, enough spark for the old man to continue to eagerly await the arrival. Really? The best is yet to come, Pastor? Yes, it is. I don't care where you're at on a faith journey if you've never begun one or you've been on one for a long time. Because here's the deal. If I haven't started my journey of faith with Jesus, the best is yet to come because I get to encounter him. Maybe I just encountered Jesus for the first time or made that decision. You know what? The best is yet to come because you have an opportunity to live a life to the fullest that you can never experience anywhere else unless you live a life with Jesus. 
And then if you've lived a life with Jesus and you're like, Pastor, I'm just ready to go home. I'm ready to meet Jesus. Well, you know what? The best is yet to come because I can't imagine anything better than spending eternity with the creator of the universe, the Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So as dark as life may be, as frustrating as it may be, as stressful as it may be, the best is yet to come. But then trouble creeps in. Then stress creeps in. And can I challenge you? How, do you? how do you live with anticipation? You've got to refocus your eyes on Jesus. Every time the negativity tries to change your perspective, it changes your outlook. It changes what you're saying. It's changing how you're living. You've got to pause and say, God, I need to refocus my eyes because the best is yet to come. I may, I may feel like it's silent right now, but I know you're still working. I may feel like there's this giant mountain, but I know you're the champion and the only one that can move the mountain. So I'm going to continue to live my life in anticipation knowing that you've got better days ahead of me even if they're with you in eternity now Simeon not only had a spark because of anticipation but he also stayed the course and saw that it was worth it and that's our second point today is that anticipation requires patience and teaches us that it's worth the wait it's worth every bit. Patience is like a word that we don't like to talk about. We don't like to pray for it. We don't like to live it because it's really, it stretches us. I can't imagine as I was reading this text and I was preparing and I was doing study, I just kept putting my, like, I, I just imagine that Simeon probably got this prophecy as like a young teenager, a young adult, and now he's in his 70s, 80s, maybe 90s, we don't know. And he's like, God, you told me. And if Simeon was like me, I had every day, God is today the day. Are you still there, God? Do I hear you, God? God, was that something I ate? Like, are you sure this is your promise? But I love that we see that Simeon stayed the course and he realized that it was worth the wait. I can't imagine, even if it was months or years or decades of the promise to the fulfillment when he grabs baby Jesus in his hands, I can just imagine tears beginning to stream down his face. God, this is the promise fulfilled. Every bit of patience, every bit of, every bit of struggle, every bit of waiting, God, it is worth it because your light is here for all generations and all people. What a powerful moment, but he had to have patience. And he learned that it was worth the wait. See, the Jewish people knew a lot about waiting. Because if you read Old Testament scripture, prophecies of Jesus, they all the way through scripture. Prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus' arrival, prophesied that the Messiah would be born. 700 years. I don't know how, how familiar you are with American history, but that's older than our established country. It, it amazes me if you get the opportunity to travel to other parts of the world. And, and, and just a couple of years ago, I was in Israel and they're, they're walking us through this gate. And they're like, this gate dates back to the time of Abraham. My mind cannot even fathom that. Because we get excited about a hundred-year-old building that's made it. <laughs> Woo! 700 years from the prophecy to the fulfillment. We do have timeline here. 
And many would describe the time between when the prophets stopped hearing from God and speaking into the arrival of Jesus is a silent time of where God just went dark. God wasn't speaking. There, there's, there's this waiting period, centuries of waiting. I can, I can easily think how natural it would have been for people just to believe that God had forgotten them, that maybe the prophecy, Isaiah heard it wrong. But see, the, the writers of the Gospels, they would have been familiar because Isaiah would have been recited. This would have been something that was ingrained in them. And can you imagine all of a sudden they begin to see these things fulfilled and they're dating back to the prophecy and it may have seemed quiet, it may have seemed dark, it may have seemed distant and people may have given up, but those who stayed committed, stayed the course, realized it was worth the wait, saw it come to pass. And the anticipation that it's worth the wait I love Christmas time because we have these wonderful things that come out called advent calendars. Don't have the one that just has like the snowflake that moves it over. If, if you're a real Christmas connoisseur, you've got to have boxes. Now let me show you what is in the boxes. Maybe, maybe you have not been fortunate enough to have one of these. Sorry, Pastor, I was hungry. Please proceed to day two. <laughs> That's real life. If you were here last service, you know that there was a little chocolate there. <laughs> I'm glad there was a chocolate in day two. What if they needed that? They didn't know. Oh, my word. If I find out who did that. But here's the thing. These Advent calendars, they teach us about waiting. The Advent season is many in the Christian faith would describe this season. It's the four Sundays leading up to the arrival of Jesus. Advent really, it physically means to arrive. But Advent is a season of waiting because you know what's coming. But there's this anticipation that builds up that makes the day so great. I don't know about you, but I feel like every day when you get to open the door and you get to unwrap the candy, there is something to be savored in that moment. Now, let's be real. We could go to the store and just buy the chocolates. But there is something so much more fulfilling about, maybe it's just me, but opening doors when people don't eat my candy. I got to make sure nobody else. Opening doors as things begin to build up understanding that we're moving towards the arrival of Jesus. That's totally worth it. You can sit down and eat your bag of chocolates and you'll feel sick. But if you eat one piece at a time, there is patience and waiting. There's something to be said when it begins to build up. I love every night we do our Advent devotions during the season with our, with our kids and we open the book and we've got ornaments that go on the tree and then we've got the Advent calendar that came from our children's ministry. So we're like, they've got bucket list on the back of those cards. So we're making hot chocolate at like nine o'clock at night. I mean, extra marshmallows. You're doing the works. Why? Because I want my kids to live with full anticipation, not of gifts on Christmas day, but of the arrival of Jesus. 
And the other night, we missed it because we had a friend, uh, one of the boy's friends came over and they had, they had a spend the night party and so we didn't do the advent calendar. And Jensen, sure enough, reminded, we've got two days to do. <laughs> He's not letting up. We can't even like sneak the ornament on. But praise God that we're creating a space for our kids to anticipate the arrival of Jesus. And I just believe we live differently if we'll, if we'll have this perspective of anticipation, if we'll wait patiently and not give up on God because he's never given up on us. And even when we feel like he's silent, he's still at work. See, I believe that that's why when we read the gospels and we read the Christmas story, we begin to see the genealogy of, of Jesus because God is reminding us that he was at work the entire time. That while people may feel like he's been silent, he's still on the move and he's still, his plan is at work. See, for you and I, we always want the best, but we want it right now. We don't, some of you are like, man, I'm not waiting for all those doors to open. Give me the bag of chocolate. We want it right now. We want to be fulfilled. And so sometimes these seasons or moments of waiting can feel like an eternity but see, God's always working. Can't help but think with all those centuries of waiting for Jesus, you might think that once he arrived, the waiting would be done. But can I just give you a few scriptures that we read in the New Testament that our waiting is not done? Because 1 Corinthians 1, 7 says, we eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are a people, according to Titus 2.13, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. The church is the community that, according to 1 Thessalonians 1, 9-10, turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for the Son, for His Son from heaven. Knowing that when he appears, according to Hebrews 9, 28, he comes to bring salvation to all those who are eagerly waiting for him. We wait, but church, can I tell you, it's going to be worth it. Even if we don't see the return of Jesus in our lifetime, maybe that soon is longer than our expiration date, but we still have an opportunity to spend eternity with him. I'd love to be here to see Jesus come back, but I don't want to stay here any longer than God wants me to, and I'm okay with spending eternity with him because the best is yet to come, and it's coming soon because Scripture says life is but a vapor. We blink, and our kids are grown, and we're grown, and we get into this rhythm, but we are still in a season of waiting. So how can we be patient in this season? I believe we can renew our faith and hope. See, faith in the moment, but hope for the future. That God's got the best ahead of us. We can pray and give thanks. And it's, here's the thing, a healthy life of prayer does not mean that you've got to lock yourself in a closet, a prayer closet for hours each day. I really believe it's having eyes to see the opportunities and the unexpected moments and seasons of waiting, but that is a prayer life that is in constant communion with Jesus. We can pray and give thanks. We can renew our faith and hope. But I want to tell you, don't get patient. Don't get impatient and give up because it's going to be worth it. And lastly is this, that anticipation for the arrival of Christ places trust in the promises of God. Anticipation for the arrival of Christ places trust in the promises of God. Simeon had to trust God as he waited in anticipation. 
But I love how he just recites the fulfilled promises. In verse 30, he says, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people, Israel. See, anticipation is a gift from God to us as we look towards the future. Now here's some research on anticipation is that anticipation works basically in this nutshell. The mind draws from past experiences to both predict and prepare for future events. So the mind uses the past memories to prepare for future events. So think about this. Why, is, why do our kids anticipate Christmas? Because they've got memories of what Christmas means to them, what it looks like, what it feels like. And here's the great thing for us is that we've got a past marker of an arrival of Jesus that can prepare our minds and help us with anticipation of what's to come. So think about this just for a moment, the promises that have been fulfilled. The Jewish people, the Israelites, all through the Old Testament, Messiah's coming, the Savior, the Redeemer. And what happens? Anticipation of Jesus, the Messiah, the promise is fulfilled. Then we have the disciples step on the scene. And they actually get to live life with Jesus. They're watching his, his earthly ministry take shape. And what does he do? He looks at them and says, hey, guys, I've got to leave. For one greater than I is coming. The comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit. And what happens? Jesus ascends back to heaven. And we see the account in Acts of where the Holy Spirit descends on them in the upper room. Anticipation. And the arrival of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit places trust in the promises. Why do the disciples go to the ends of the earth to carry the gospel message for us? To, we would not be able to gather had it not been for the faithful work of the disciples spreading and going on this incredible missionary journey that's continued to ripple and ripple and ripple. Why do we get excited when we pray over people like Donna who are saying yes to the call? Because the mission is still great. But when we have anticipation for the arrival of Christ, we're trusting in the promises of God. So you know what? We can see that Jesus was born a baby. His Holy Spirit came and descended and is available for all of us. So that just means that we can put our trust that he's coming again. That everything he said in his word is true. Anticipation in our faith, it shifts our perspective, it teaches us to wait patiently, and it places our trust in the promises of God. And see, I believe that His Holy Spirit is actually what helps us to live a life of anticipation. If we'll allow the Holy Spirit to work and flow and move in us, we can wait patiently, we can have the spark of life. We can trust in the promises of God. See, at the beginning of the message, I said that anticipation is usually followed by a surprise. Think about just, just for a moment, the cast of the first Christmas. Mary, Joseph, wise men, shepherds, 
Simeon. They had this in common that they all anticipated the unexpected. They didn't know how it was going to look. They didn't know what was going to happen. Shepherds didn't know that when, when the angels showed up and they were just tending their flocks and they said, hey, the Messiah's been born. Go and worship him. They weren't expecting that. But I also don't believe that God would have revealed the Messiah to a group of shepherds that weren't prepared and ready to understand what was happening in this moment. The wise men, the magi, they're on their search. Mary and Joseph, young virgins who, who were just committed to be married. It brought all sorts of unexpected surprises for them, but they were prepared and ready. And here's just what I want us to do this season is to be prepared and ready for the surprises that God wants to bring our way. So maybe the surprise for you is saying yes to Jesus finally because you've felt this drawing, this, this stirring, something in you. Maybe it's saying, God, I'm tired of just being on the starting point and I'm ready to take some steps in my faith. I'm ready to allow your Holy Spirit to work and flow and be with me. I don't care where you are, there are surprises that God has in store for us. You know why? Because there's still breath in our lungs. Don't view Christmas as mundane or repetitious. Don't just expect the same old, same old. Pray that God will reveal something new, that there would be a spark of anticipation because I just feel like when we start anticipating the move of God, when we start anticipating his activity, something begins to change in the room. I don't know if you've ever experienced it before, but I just feel like when all of a sudden there begins to be unity and people are going after God and saying, God, I don't know what you have for us as a church, as a family, as a city, as a community of believers across this globe, but I know that the best is yet to come and we're going to trust you, we're going to wait patiently, and we're going to know that your promises are going to ring true. It's a force to be reckoned with. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today, see God's given us a few promises through scripture, but I think one of the most important promises that he ever gave is that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. That Jesus is the only way to the Father. Promises all through scripture that give us the pathway to salvation. And Simeon says salvation has come because Jesus is the saving grace for our life. We just have to say yes. And what a surprise for your life this Christmas if you're ready to say yes. To say, God, I don't wanna, I don't wanna be searching anymore. I don't wanna be wandering anymore. I'm ready to go on this journey with you. So if you're here today and that's you and you say, Pastor, I need to pray that prayer. I need to make that commitment to say yes to Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up? You're in the room. You just say, yes, God, I'm ready to say yes. All across the room in the balcony. Can we just repeat this prayer together today? Dear Jesus, forgive me. Be Lord of my life. I choose you. Help me to love you. Help me to follow you. Help me to serve you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Can we celebrate those that have made decisions today to follow Jesus? Scripture says that heaven rejoices when one son or daughter comes home. 
That's why we celebrate these moments. That's, that's why we gather so that people can come and, and experience God. They can begin to know God because that is the mission. We would go and make disciples. But here at Greenville First, we don't just want you to say yes. We believe that there's a journey in a life with Jesus. And so if you made that decision today, whether you're online or you're in the room, you can text the number on the screen. You text made new to that number. And we love to put a resource in your hand. If you're here in person, you can stop by our connection center in the lobby or the courtyard. We've got a free gift for you, a book that's called Following Jesus. It's just next steps. Because we don't believe that we're just supposed to say yes and, and leave you to it. Because our mission here at Greenville First is to journey with you from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be.